how we view Jesus can affect everything about our Christian life. That raises the question, do we have a right view of Christ? A low view can affect us negatively, and a high view can help us tremendously. Let's find out more in this episode of Foreshadows Report. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Foreshadows Report. This is Steve Miller. In this weekly podcast, we explore the subject of Bible prophecy. Our goal is to better understand the prophetic passages in God's Word so that we can live widely in these last days. Over the past several episodes, we've looked at the main characters in the book of Revelation, and the one character who stands out far above the other is the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the book of Revelation, we see several portraits of Christ, all of which teach us a lot about him. In this episode, we're going to look at a stunning portrait that appears in Revelation chapter 1, and as we do so, we will see why it's so important for us to have a right view of Christ. Before the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation, he had not seen Jesus for more than 50 years. Most likely, his final memories of Jesus were vivid. He had seen Jesus badly beaten and nailed to a cross. This was the Lamb of God who had sacrificed himself to pay for the sins of the lost. As Isaiah 53 says, he was afflicted. He was like a lamb that had led to the slaughter. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We can be sure that the sight of Jesus hanging from the cross stayed with John for the rest of his life. Then after Jesus had risen from the dead, he ministered to the disciples and others for 40 days. We are not told much about what Jesus looked like after his resurrection. We know that he still had a body of flesh and bones, and that he still bore the marks of the crucifixion. Luke 24.37 says that when he first appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Jesus told them, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. For all practical purposes, the disciples were still able to recognize Jesus. He did not yet have a drastically different appearance like the one we're about to see in Revelation chapter 1. While it's true that the two disciples traveling on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus at first, it wasn't because his appearance had changed a lot. Luke 24:16 revealed that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. God chose to prevent the two disciples from figuring out who he was, at least for a brief time. The last time the disciples saw Jesus was when he was taken up to heaven, as described in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And that would be the Apostle John's last glimpse of Jesus. Nowhere do we read that there was anything dramatically different 
about Jesus' appearance before he ascended to heaven. Then, more than 50 years later, John has a vision in which he sees Jesus again, and the difference is absolutely astounding. Here he sees Jesus as never before, in all his heavenly glory. The one whom John remembered as a lamb was now a lion. Revelation 1.17 tells us that when John turned and looked at Jesus, he fell at his feet as though dead. John was overwhelmed. We can get some idea of how stunned John was because Jesus found it necessary to tell him, Fear not. John had collapsed in fear and fallen at Jesus' feet in worship. In that moment, John knew how unworthy he was as he looked upon Christ in all his brilliant holiness. Upon seeing Jesus, John felt a deep and fearful reverence for his Lord, and his immediate response was to fall to the ground in worship. It's the same kind of fear the prophet Isaiah felt when he had a vision of God in his heavenly throne room. Isaiah's response is recorded for us in Isaiah 6, verse 5. Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When John and Isaiah came face to face with the Lord, they became all too aware of their humanness and their imperfection. They knew that apart from God's mercy, they were deserving of judgment. So fear is both a natural and a proper response when we find ourselves in the Lord's presence, and it should humble us to the point of acknowledging that He alone is righteous and is worthy of all our reverence and worship. So what did John see when he looked at Jesus? We're given some detail in verses 12 through 16 of Revelation chapter 1. Let's read the passage first, and then take a closer look at the specifics. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. John begins by telling us that he sees Jesus standing in the middle of seven golden lampstands. A little later, in verse 20, we learn that these lampstands represent the church. Here, John sees Christ as he is walking in the presence of his church. This brings to mind what Jesus said in Matthew 28:20, 20, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All through the centuries, Christ has walked among his churches, and he continues to do so today. He is in our midst. These seven lampstands are a source of light. This tells us that the church is to be the light of the world, as Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14. 
Philippians 2.15 says we're to shine as lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Jesus walks in our midst because he wants to make sure the church is doing its job. He has called us to shine his light into the darkness all around us. John goes on to say that Jesus was clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. These are the garments of a high priest, and they speak of Christ's role as our high priest. He offered himself as the perfect and final sacrifice that secured our place in heaven. The job of a high priest was to act as an intercessor between the people and God. Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25 speak of how Christ is our constant intercessor. The sacrifice he made on our behalf is good for all time, and he intercedes for us constantly. This affirms his faithfulness to us. Next, John says that the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. The Greek New Testament term translated white means blazing or brilliant. Back in ancient times, a person with white hair was respected as someone who had wisdom. And this may point to the fact that Christ is all-knowing. His wisdom is perfect. We then read that his eyes were like a flame of fire. Nothing can be hidden from Christ's gaze. He sees and knows everything, including the inner recesses of our hearts. It's impossible to keep anything a secret from him. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we see Jesus turn his penetrating gaze on the seven churches mentioned in those chapters. He discerns their strengths and weaknesses, and he does the same today. He walks among us, wanting us to shine our light to others. He encourages us for what we do right, and he exhorts us when we need to be corrected. It is this penetrating gaze that will test our works when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He will evaluate our deeds, and he will reward us accordingly. The fact his eyes are like a flame of fire also affirms his holiness. The intent of his fiery gaze is to motivate us to personal holiness. As 1 Peter 1 verses 15 and 16 says, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Going back to Revelation chapter 1, John continues his description of Christ and said that his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. When a metal like bronze or silver or gold has been refined in a furnace, we think of that metal as becoming stronger and purer. So once again, we are reminded of Christ's holiness, and we're reminded of his strength as well. You may be familiar with Psalm 110, verse 1, where God the Father tells God the Son, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The imagery here speaks about a conqueror who has subdued an enemy to the point that the enemy is like a footstool. In ancient times, kings were known to symbolize their victories by putting their feet on the necks of their enemies. Because of what Christ did at the cross, he has conquered the power of sin and death. As a result, he has the power and authority to exercise judgment over both believers and unbelievers. 
in John 5.27, we read that the Father has given authority to the Son to execute judgment, and that's what Christ will do all through the tribulation. From Revelation chapter 6 to chapter 19, Christ pours out judgment on all the world. John then goes on to say that Jesus' voice was like the roar of many water. This tells us that Christ speaks clearly with supreme authority over all. What he says cannot be missed. When he speaks, there is no choice but to obey. This is the voice we will hear someday at the rapture. 1 Thessalonians verses 16 and 17 tell us that with a cry of command, He will cause the dead in Christ to rise first, then those who are alive will be taken up afterward. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 tell us that it is His voice that will command the dead to rise, either to a resurrection of life or of judgment. No one will be able to resist His spoken command. Moving on to Revelation 1, verse 16, we read that from His mouth came a sharp, two-edged sword. We see this repeated in Revelation chapter 19. When Christ returns at the end of the tribulation, he will use this sword to strike down the nations. Christ's spoken word is powerful and is able to slay the forces of darkness. At the same time that this sword defeats his enemies, it will also protect the church. Then the final detail we are given about Jesus' appearance is this. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. This speaks of the fullness of Christ's glory and deity. He is infinitely glorious. Back when Jesus was ministering here on earth, three of the disciples got a glimpse of this glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a mountain, and verse 2 tells us he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. God the Father then told the disciples, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples responded with fear and trembling, and they fell on their faces, just as the Apostle John fell on his face when he first saw the glorified Christ in Revelation 1. In all the details we've just read, the Apostle John has given us a portrait and it features Jesus as the high priest, king, judge, and lord of all. He is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful, and he walks among us, making sure that we represent him well, and that we shine his light to a world filled with darkness. John's portrait shows Christ in all his brilliant, radiant majesty. The Christ we read about in the Gospels, who emptied himself and humbled himself when he came to earth, and had no place to put his head, now reigns supreme in heaven, ablaze with supernatural glory and honor and power. This is the Christ whom we live for and serve. When we think of him, this is the image we should have in our mind. The Lord Jesus Christ is both a lamb and a lion. In fact, You'll notice that in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called a lamb repeatedly. And in the book of Revelation, we also see him as a lion through his supreme authority, his desire for purity in the church, and his judgments upon the wicked. That's why at the beginning of this podcast, 
I ask the question, do we have a right view of Christ? When we think about Jesus, do we remember that he is our high priest, judge, king, and lord of all? Is our view of him high enough, or do we take him too casually? The Jesus whom John described in Revelation chapter 1 is the Jesus who saved us and who sovereignly watches over every part of our lives. We could never think too highly of him, and we could never exalt and praise him enough. Giving honor and glory to him will be our occupation for all of eternity, and we shouldn't wait until we get to heaven to love and worship him in the way he should be loved and worshipped we should show the right kind of reverence for him right now. It's when we have a high view of Jesus that we will recognize he is able to meet our every need in life because he is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful. We have the very best possible high priest, judge, king, and lord we could ever want. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Foreshadows Report. My prayer is that you've come away with a deeper appreciation for Christ. And in the next couple episodes, we will continue our look at the portraits John paints of our Lord in the book of Revelation. As we do that, we will get to know him better. And that is a wonderful reward in itself. All through the Bible, Christ is at center stage. He is the focal point of the scripture, and that includes all the prophecies in the Old and New Testaments. If you are interested in resources that help you to see more of Christ in Bible prophecy, you may be interested in my new book, One Day Nearer. It is a 365-day devotional that encourages us to live widely in these last days and to rejoice in all the promises God has made about our future. The book can now be ordered at my website, themillerresources.com. But if you'd like to try a free sample first, you'll also find a link on my website that takes you to an app that offers 10 free devotions. Just go to the home page, click on the order tab for one day nearer, and scroll down. You'll see a link that says Uversion Devotional and that will allow you to try 10 devotions for free. Thank you once again for listening to Foreshadows Report, and I'm grateful for the support Harvest House Publishers has given to this podcast.